So in elementary school, at the beginning of the year, we had to write and present an essay, as many do even today, I suspect. What did you do over the summer? What did you do on your summer vacation? And I thought I was a shoe-in for the most exciting presentation. We had driven in a Ford Pinto. I don't know how many of you remember those. <clears throat> From North Alabama to Corpus Christi, Texas. And then we switched to a suburban with extended family piled in and went from Corpus Christi, Texas to Mexico City. Who could really top that for adventure? I even walked to the top of a pyramid while I was there. I remember all four of us boys in the back seat, you heard that right, all four of us in the back seat, two who were toddlers at the time, all four of us there, and my dad saying when we got to the outskirts of Houston, we're coming up into Houston now, everybody put your seatbelt on. <laughs> and there were only three seatbelts in the Ford Pinto in the back. And one of the toddlers liked to ride kind of laid down on the back window. <laughs> Those were the days, you know. I'm amazed any of us made it out of childhood. But then one of my classmates shared his story. And I knew that I had been beaten for most exciting summer vacation. His family went on a trip that summer, and it consisted of getting in the family van and going <clears throat> wherever it was they felt like driving. He, his dad got behind the wheel and said, okay, where will it be? And they took a vote north, south, east, or west. And according to my friend, after the vote was taken, whoever, whichever direction won, they would head out in that direction. And at the end of the day, they stopped at the first town that looked interesting. They checked into a hotel and took in whatever that town had to offer. And then the next day, they repeated the vote, north, south, east, or west. And off they went. Everyone in the classroom was leaning forward as he recited place after place in a very zigzag kind of journey. And finally, one kid couldn't take it anymore, and he said, where did you end up? And the presenter looked a little bit confused, and he said, finally, home. You'll always end up home. Today, we are brought into the middle of a journey where it looks like someone is voting each day, north, south, east, or west. When the reading begins, Paul and his companions are in Troas, which is on the coast of modern-day Turkey. But the journey to that place had been anything but straight. North from Jerusalem, a hard turn uh, west, and then just east of Tarsus, then kind of a wave emotion until they get to Antioch. Something interesting happens in Antioch. Then suddenly they turn north and head straight into Asia. It seems a decision has been made. Paul has decided they're going to go to Asia. But each time he tries, the Spirit of the Lord, we're told, stops him. No, not here. No, not there. And you see the arrow turned west again then a hard southern turn, 
and they are in Troas. The result is that if you look at a map of what is called Paul's second missionary journey, you will find that the trail looks like uh, it was drawn by a distracted preschooler with no clear indication of a real destination. And that's where we are when the reading begins for today in a holding pattern by the Aegean Sea, waiting. And it's there in Troas that the spirit of Jesus, who has been denying them entry and telling them no all along, sends a vision, inviting them to, of all places, Europe. And that's where this meandering, rather indecisive journey takes a turn. They immediately begin making plans to cross over into Europe, to cross the Aegean Sea. They are convinced that this vision of a man from Macedonia is in reality the spirit of Christ and that they are being called to go. And note the language, how it shifts here. No more stops and starts, no more zigzags. Quote, we set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace. The following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi. Convinced immediately a straight course. And now they're in a colony of Rome, of all places, at the edge of Europe, in a place called Philippi. Philippi is a lot like, well, it's a lot like Franklin. Lots of people live in Philippi, but very few people are from Philippi. There's another wanderer there as well who's not from there, a certain woman, Lydia, who hails from Thyatira, which happens to be in Asia, the place the Spirit turned Paul away from, you remember, who now lives and works in Philippi. Now, you need to know just a little bit about Philippi. It was founded in the middle of the 4th century BCE because of its proximity to gold mines. It was named after Philip of Macedon, Macedon who is the father of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great had conquered that region in 323 BCE. And so it was a very prosperous city, it was a very cosmopolitan city throughout the Roman era because of those gold mines. And it was a main stop along the Roman trade routes from east to west, Philippi. The place where few are from, the place where people come to make it be successful, to have arrived. It's just the kind of place that attracted people like Lydia. She has come from, as I mentioned before, Thyatira, which is in Asia. She has come to Philippi to pursue a lucrative business. She was a dealer in purple cloth, which was highly sought after by the elites of the Roman Empire and by the royals who paid well for it as they passed through Philippi, as they often did. We know that she has a home, that she has a household, and that she leads that household. It's interesting the way Luke introduces her, though. A certain woman. A certain woman strikes me as a bit understated, but like most things in the book of Acts, that understatement seems intentional. Intentional. 
The Spirit is the one running the show in the book of Acts, always. One scholar suggests it should have been called the Acts of the Spirit of Jesus rather than the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Spirit who summons Paul to Macedonia and Philippi. It's the Spirit that leads them to the riverside where they, quote, supposed there might be a place of prayer. There's a certain woman there who is not just any woman, but a wealthy woman who is listening intently. Why is she listening intently? You guessed it, because the Spirit put it in her heart to do so. Spirit runs everything in the book of Acts. And Lydia is eagerly listening, eagerly. And I know that many of you know that you have to be careful when you listen eagerly to the Word. Because sometimes when you do that, the spirit that is always speaking and always moving finds a way to break through the distractions, the stress, the fast pace of our lives to reach the heart. And when that happens, we are not the same as when we began listening. Lydia is not the same. She and her entire household are baptized right there. She opens herself up to the Spirit's work in the world. She opens her home wide in hospitality, inviting Paul and his companions to stay with her. She shares her considerable resources. She has found the place and the people into whom she wants to invest her time and her money building. The Spirit breaking down barriers of geography and gender and income. In the Spirit, we see Jesus on the loose, up to the same things he was doing when he walked the earth, tearing down the walls that divide and creating a beloved community. Now, you know Philippi because you've read the book of Philippians, the letter that Paul wrote to them in the church at Philippi. Scholars believe that that church was founded in Lydia's home and that it continued to meet there. And when Paul wrote the letter that we call Philippians, the letter where he says to that church, I thank my God whenever I think of you, and when I pray for you, I pray with joy, that that letter was read in the home of Lydia, that certain woman who no doubt leaned in to listen intently along with everyone in the house. Paul's long and winding journey had brought him home, the truest home we will ever know, to the heart of God. As I thought about this text, it, it occurred to me, you know, we are all a certain person. You are a certain person. You have a particular job, a vocation in the world, either inside or outside of your home. You are endowed with certain gifts that no one else has quite the same mix of as you. You have a certain personality that makes you, you. You have a certain web of relationships in which you move about in the world. It's worthwhile for all of us to listen intently to the Spirit's promptings 
Because perhaps the Spirit is drawing your attention to certain things, awakening your conscience to certain needs. And we know what it looks like, don't we? When people from all kinds of places and all kinds of circumstances, living in a city where there are lots of people, but most of them not from there, we know when those people all come together, sharing their gifts and resources, sharing their passion and energy, certain things start to happen. And we can give those things names. We can call them mission or outreach or worship or study. We, they can spring up in Sunday school classes and they even spring up on that same shore on the Aegean Sea where Paul went on his winding journeys and refugees still try to make their way from Turkey into Greece. They result in the transformation of lives through the listening ear of a Stephen minister and works of reconciliation and hope alongside our friends at Shorter Chapel in caring for the earth by caring for our patch of 12 acres with that arboretum and those native grasses. We can give it lots of names, glory to glory. We can call it all things possible. We can, we can call it just a regular Sunday morning like this one. But it all really has just one name, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is forming us still, summoning us still, just as the Spirit summoned Paul to the boundary-breaking, community-forming work that can transform the world, calling us to share ourselves and join in the great mission of God. I believe that when we listen intently for the Spirit's voice, we come to know the destination toward which we are being called. And I think my friend from elementary school was right in a way deeper and truer than he could ever have imagined. By the power of the Spirit, you always end up home. May it be so. Amen.